Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout, Scout Network. In each episode, we'll be looking back at the game week we've just played to assess what we can learn and help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by Adam, Nick and Greg from the FPL Experiment podcast. Hi, guys. How are we all? Hi, Sam. Hi, Hi, I'm sorry. I'm just hesitating. I didn't want to talk over everybody else. We should have rehearsed that bit at the start, really. Like no, a boy band. Right. A really terrible boy band. Let's you know harmonize, please. It's really nice to have a load of voices on because so far I've just had um, individual content creators. And it's really nice to have a, a bunch of you in together and particularly a bunch of friends as well. It's, it's nice to have that kind of chemistry i suppose between all three of you um to tell us a bit about yourselves how's your game week's going so far because we are midway through game week 22 at the moment um so tell me about that how's 22 going for you i think you're all in my boat um with the salad captaincy apart from one rogue sterling captaincy out there well, yeah, yeah in- i didn't know nick that you'd gone rogue sterling that's amazing well, yeah, I mean, in our experiment team salad seemed like the sensible thing to do but i am floundering about like just past a million so i thought i've got to go for it why not nice. five nil city here we go <laughs> it's not quite gone that way so far uh, that <laughs> game's being played as we are recording this but sterling has got you a goal so you know you're one nil up i'm a visionary sam what can i say <laughs> i love it i love it um, but 22 otherwise how's it going did we all own bruno and is he your experiment team yeah, Bruno's in the experiments team, so we're all going to be frantically watching the screens in front of us, our phones, and also Greg's going to be watching the Leeds game right now as a Leeds fan, so we might lose Greg for periods of time. But yeah, we've got Fernandez, <laughs> but we didn't have Fernandez captain. We've got Salah captain, so pleased to see him in the team because actually Gundogan was our vice, and I saw that lots of people had Fernandez as vice. So we would have just had such a drop in rank if Salah hadn't played. I know there were loads of rumours on Twitter going around this afternoon that Salah wasn't going to play. So it was a bit of a nervous moment waiting for that to happen. So, so far, the game week's actually not going too bad. We've got Cancelo, we've got Gundogan, and Madison seems to be doing the business. He's a recent transfer. We mm. ummed and ahed about whether or not to bring in Barnes or Madison. And actually, I think we decided that really they both had the chance to provide us with points over the game weeks, that they would probably both score fairly highly. So, um, yeah, pleased with Madison. He seems to be yeah. going pretty well. 
couple of assists so far tonight from him as well. So that's going going well. I think it's um it's going to be quite a high scoring FPL points game that one um, because most most managers have got people that have, have in their points. So Madison with with his two assists so far and and James Justin, my hero, popping up with a goal. Let's hope he can keep that clean sheet as well because that will make me a very happy FPL manager. Before we get into scouting the game week then, tell us a little bit more about you guys and the FPL experiment, because I have to admit here that the FPL experiment has become one of my go-to pods. I listen to it every yes, single Sam. week. Um, and honestly, it's yeah. come a bit out of left field for me because I am, and I shouldn't really admit this as a content creator, but I am one of those um, FPL content creators that doesn't like to listen to too much. I don't like to have too much noise in my ears because I get a bit caught up in the dramas of it and I then can't make my own decisions however with you guys I don't know what it is about you but I can't stop listening to your podcast I absolutely love them and um, if you haven't checked them out please do go and give these guys a listen because honestly it is brilliant yeah Thank do you know you. what it's um, maybe a bit of a strange concept in comparison to a lot of other podcasts out there and it is really odd for us because we all play fantasy football in very different ways. So if you haven't come across the podcast before, there's one team with the podcast. We have all got our individual teams that we play with and we've been playing fantasy football um, for years, but we've got one team, the three of us put together the team, the FPL experiment team. And so we've got a target over the course of the season and that's to finish in the top 50K. And this is the first year that we've done that. And do you know what? Given that it's our first season, I think it's actually going okay because it is very difficult for three people who all like I said play the game completely differently to make a decision every week not only with what transfers you're going to make but then also who you're going to go with as captain but I think the really good thing is that we we don't really squabble with each other and we just let the majority rule and we do listen to reason so in the end that does seem to work I mean, it works okay. We're going okay. Overall rank 146k, I think, going into into this week. So there's definitely a chance that we could finish top 50k. We it's definitely listen to Greg care. less, though. I would say definitely listen to Greg. Yeah, but I think that's a good decision. <laughs> I mean, straight away you both just all talked over me. So yeah, shot of our podcast right there. <laughs> Greg, come on, you tell us a bit about it. So where did the idea of it come from? Do you know Adam. what? I actually don't know where the idea came from because I definitely wanted to do a podcast. I'd wanted to do a podcast for a long time. So my background is as a football commentator, but also as a radio presenter. And I've always loved podcasts, like all kinds of podcasts. I've got a real soft spot for a crime podcast. I'd actually really like to make a crime podcast. Like a, I like started like everyone does with Serial, but then Up and Vanish, Teacher's Pet, for those people into podcasts. But then I was doing football commentary and radio presenting. But I guess what comes sometimes with radio presenting is you have to talk about things you really don't want to talk about. Whereas the idea with doing your own podcast, you've got complete creative control over everything that you do, which is why that's so brilliant. So I'd always wanted to do a podcast. We spent ages talking about fantasy football anyway, mostly over WhatsApp. But I guess this is kind of just an extension of every time we meet you know, that's what's happening. We're just putting it into a podcast. Nick's been really successful at fantasy football over the years. I think over the last five years, I was looking back at his rank just before we came onto this podcast. Over the last five, I think you've, you've not finished outside 
outside of the top 30K. I think your best rank was 1.6K. And Greg's done really well as well, finished in the top 10K. So as, as much as it was, it was like, look, I really want to do a podcast, I think there has to be a degree of kind of credibility to it as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You and were like, you, you were chewing our, our ears off like two or three years <laughs> to try and get us to do it, like bringing the talent, right? And then we finally <laughs> caved this year. <laughs> Um, it was a sausage I mean, yeah. roll in the pub that did it. Is that <laughs> what it was? Yeah. And do you know what? Maybe this is why I love you guys so much because you actually remind me really of of us and how we started with the FPL family because that was Lee a bit badgering me to be honest because we did exactly what you did. I mean, not quite so much on WhatsApp because obviously we live together, um, but he would just we spent all of our Friday nights talking about what transfers have we made and who was going to be our captains and all of that kind of stuff and actually kind of escalated. And then I remember him coming home from work going, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to record a video about this and we're going to put it on YouTube. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I, I don't think we are. I don't, I don't think we're going to do that. No. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we are. We are. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think we are. And then suddenly you, I don't know, eventually just give in, don't you? I think. And then who knows? It, it goes from strength to strength, I think. This is an interesting one, though, and I don't know who's going to claim this because we obviously we went to the pub to kind of thrash out, would we like to do a podcast? Where do we see it going? And then we had a Zoom call because we were all kind of locked indoors. And I don't actually know who came up with the idea that we would just have one team. You're claiming it, are you, Nick? Interesting. 100% because your idea was, let's just you manage me because you, you, you're like my team's been awful the past few seasons why don't you two manage me and I was like well why don't we just have our own team yeah that was so much yeah because I would quite often have to work if I was doing commentary Friday Saturday Sunday really in a normal season that's when you're looking at your team so my picks were very much based on what game did I watch the week before or who did I cover and had I read an article on that person and I was so mm. swayed by not necessarily looking into enough content. Whereas now, one of the best things that's happened with this podcast is that my own team has done really well this season because I've read so much more about fantasy football. I've listened to Nick and Greg every week. Great. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Appreciate that. <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? That with um, with with podcasting in general you kind of you come up with a with a bit of an idea and then you just run with it and see see where we end up and and I think that's that's really nice it's um it's a really nice way in I think to do it with with your friends and people that you kind of get on with um because actually it it, it adds a whole new dimension I guess um to the way that that you play FPL um, I mean Adam I played it down a bit earlier I mean we it dominates all of our friendship groups chat across WhatsApp or when we're in the pub at the weekend and we've been running a league where it's got all of our, our close friends and a, and a few friends outside of that in it as well and we'd do manager of the month and Nick would win that and then he'd win the league so we started to do a, a wager league cup so we did a cup competition which Nick then won as well um so it's it's just really mushroomed from that and this was seems like the next mushrooms did you say <laughs> Mushroom from that, mate. <laughs> it grew? It mushroom. <laughs> oh, I like it brilliant. Nice. Uh, all right. <laughs> so tell me something about um about your team then, because I'm kind of interested to see where you're planning to go from here. Because obviously, as you've told us already, that you know you're you're new to podcasting. Is this something that you think you know next season will you do it in the same way again? Have you got plans for kind of where you might be going and and what you might do to to develop the podcast and, and your social channels? 
It's a good question because Adam actually emailed Nick and I the other week saying, look, how do you see this going? Are we all aligned? Do you, are your aspirations what mine are, et cetera? So we all went away and, and had a little think about what we want to get from this. And I think we're all on the same page. We, we've got plans that we want to do and, and places we want to go. I think it's been a big learning curve. I mean, the FPL community has welcomed us so much and they've all been so friendly and we've enjoyed interacting with them on social media i say we it'd be me and adam nick has a phobia <laughs> of social media <laughs> and, and that's been great i think that's really helped with getting guests on the podcast which have really added a slightly again different element to what our podcast is about because i mean when we're interviewing i don't know the general or you guys have come on and we've had some really good sort of commentators we had obviously ali bruce ball last week from five live give a slightly different element or a take on a game week that might not necessarily be out there and i mean we'd just like to continue more along that same sort of vein i don't know boys would you add more to that yeah do you know what i just think for all those people that go out there and put out content one thing this podcast has given me is like a newfound respect because oh, you might only get like half an hour or 40 minutes or an hour worth of content but the planning that goes into that and then the editing and all of that kind of stuff and as much as i would love for us to do loads of youtube con youtube content which you know we have talked about we've all got jobs that we do every day yeah. and there is so much work that goes into just doing one episode so i've got so much more respect now for the people that i used to listen to all of the time like you guys and other people's podcasts that i listen to because it is a big effort and as much as it's it's so enjoyable and i i mean it's great for me because i just get to hang out with two mates every week and talk about fantasy football and that's amazing but there like the time that goes into it is just sometimes unreal and you know you've got all the social stuff as well and that can dominate your life because this what's been really lovely as greg said is people have kind of joined us for the journey but we're also really happy that people listen to us and do well off the back mm. so that's great. But there are a lot of conversations that go on with other people. And again, that kind of, it can really, it can take over. And before you know it, you're like, oh yeah, I've just been all evening chatting to some guy about whether or not <laughs> he should pick Chilwell or Robertson. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So now we know a bit more about you guys um, and your podcast. Let's get into scouting the game week. So as I mentioned earlier then, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. We now have three matches in play because that Leeds game has kicked off um, and we still haven't seen the end of the other two, um, the City game and the Leicester game. Um, and we still have three further matches to go. Uh, Aston Villa playing West Ham, Liverpool playing Brighton and of course Spurs and Chelsea um, playing on Thursday evening. So that means that we're going to be talking about some players potentially that haven't yet played in 22 as we start looking ahead to 23. But hey, that's January, isn't it? Um, I know we're now in February, but it feels like we just have game week after game week. Uh-oh, Greg's got a look on his face. What's happened, Greg? Guilty Is he out? Scored. Oh, oh, I'm as well. Nobody wants that. <laughs> we're getting live updates on the games now in these podcasts, guys. What more can you want? So we have a goal for Everton. Sorry about that, Greg. Um, all right, let's uh, ease Greg's woes a little bit by talking about get, um, players that have impressed you so far. Probably Gilfie Sigurdsson will not be getting a mention um, in game week 22. Um, and anyone particularly that you didn't own in 22 that you're now thinking about owning in your personal teams or of course in your um, experiment team as a result of what you've seen so far? 
I'll avoid the uh, talking about Leeds because I could be here all day <laughs> and wax Um So I think I really want to have a look at, for our team, Grealish and, and, and see how Villa do. And it's be interesting to see how they do tonight against a, a good West Ham team. But I think you've got to look at this weekend's game coming up against Arsenal, who, who are going to be depleted. Obviously, they've lost Leno to that ridiculous handball and uh, Lewis as well to a, another ridiculous decision. But we know early in the season how fragile that team can be. And yes, they've yeah. been on a good run, but ultimately they still struggle to, to grind out that 2-1 victory o- over Wolves with, with 10 men. I think Grealish, who's this season already had 15 league, in, league goal involvements. So that's like, what, six goals, nine assists. It took him 36 games last season to get 14. So he's already bettered that. And when you came on our pods uh, early on in the season, it was just as Barkley got injured. Do you remember? And yeah, you said, I do. I reckon this is going to have a, quite a big impact on the output of Grealish. And, and it did. It, it dropped mm. off. And since he's come back, I think he could be one to look out for. Yeah, I think I Grealish is really interesting, though, because in his last game against Brighton, he didn't exactly do a lot other than get the assist. So I picked him up in my own team and I'm now almost regretting that decision because of what Madison's just gone and done. So I'm looking at Grealish. I think it's a big game for, for whether or not you decide to go with Grealish tonight, but also West Ham look, well, looked incredible before mm. the Liverpool game. So you could either come away from tonight's game thinking, right, I really love Villa assets. If they perform well against a really strong West Ham side, if West Ham do well, you might be thinking, you know, Antonio, possibly even one of their midfield players. I mean, I love Suchek. Have I mentioned (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's the difficult thing about doing a pod uh, and talking about a future game week halfway through when you haven't even seen those players play. Mm. It it really, as Adam said, it could go either way. We could be really talking about what West Ham player we want to now put back in our team. But I think you can't avoid how good Villa were at the start of the season and they're picking up a bit of momentum again. Watkins has now started to score, which again is, is integral to how well that team does. Mm-hmm. The problem with Grealish, I find, is that they just you can't pronounce his name properly. And the fact that there's too many good midfielders, right? I, yeah. I, I would not have Grealish in my top five midfielders that I would want right right now. What, even though, I mean, he's, even though he's one of the top top five scoring midfielders no, over the course of the season, isn't he? That is a ridiculous comment. Yeah, no, I disagree. So I, I, I would definitely say you've got three big hitters that you want ahead of him. And then there, there's a lot of good bargain mm. bin players out there that are good enablers for the rescue squad. I don't know. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think he's, he's nailed on. I must admit, I tend to agree with you, Nick, actually. I'm, I yeah. am not beginning to Grealish. As as you remember from when I came on, I, I'm very much for Barkley. I think Barkley makes a world of difference to that Aston Villa side and, and was really impressed by him on his return from injury over the last couple of weeks. I think he's he's made a big difference. Um, and I do think he makes Grealish a better player and therefore a better um, FPL option for sure. But for me, if I was going to invest in that Aston Villa front line, which I'm still looking at doing because I still don't own any Aston Villa players. In fact, I'm trebled up on West Ham. So that game is quite important for wow. me that it goes the right way um brave. yeah I mean I'm not playing them all Suchek is currently taking his spot on my bench which we of course know means he's going to absolutely haul uh, later on this evening um but yeah I haven't got a, a an Aston Villa player as of yet um the defenders really stand out to me as as potential options um most people I mean whenever I don't 
whenever they keep a clean sheet and I don't have one, it so badly hurts my rank. But I think if I was going to go with a, an Aston Villa attacker, um, I must admit I would, I'd be tempted um, to look at Barkley over Grealish. Yeah, I did pluck him out as a differential, but I can't necessarily say that that was based on too much other than I'd watched him play and I thought, yeah, he looks really nice. I think mm. Watkins is potentially an option, but he's not someone I would necessarily go with because I think there are potentially better options out there for for kind of that price range of striker. I think another one to look at tonight will be Antonio because he's had so many chances recently. I think it's the last couple of games where he's had a really a, a, so many good opportunities mm. again again tonight if he was brilliant I'd be really tempted because I think he he's one of those players that for me could score against anyone like I, I'm not too yeah. concerned about who he's playing yeah, which is great absolutely I agree um I, I think Antonio is a great option I bought him in for um the double game week that they had on his return from injury and and actually have been delighted to own him ever since and I think even in the game weeks where he hasn't got anything or has got very little it's looked He's looked like he could and probably should have got more than he did. Um, let's talk about Man United for a minute, because I think on the back of that 9-0 drubbing that they inflicted upon the Saints last night, um, there'll be a lot of FPL managers out there who, much like me and probably much like you guys, just own Bruno Fernandes um, because he's been the kind of obvious pick. And there was some talk before about, you know, with the amount of blanks he's had, is now the time to, to get off? the Bruno Fernandes bandwagon and, and clearly after the result last night it, it isn't um, but Manchester United have Everton then West Brom and Newcastle in their next three followed by Chelsea now of course it's, it's all changed at Chelsea right now so let's see see how that game is but for me those next three games at least Everton West Brom and, and Newcastle um, on the back of what we saw last night make owning two United assets feel like a really good idea. Was there anyone that stood out for you in that United game, other than Bruno, of course, who you think, you know, they might be the ones to go to? So I've been talking about this for a few weeks, Sam, and I'm sure the lads are a bit bored of it, but I know he only played 45 minutes, but Luke Shaw, Mm. he created five chances in 45 minutes, two assists. I was livid when he came off. (laughs) Um, And especially when that goal got disallowed, I thought, well, at least that's something, but no. The rest of the United defenders kept defenders kept their clean clean sheet. But mm. looking at Everton, who are next up for United, I was looking at their stats earlier, and it really surprised me that their XG is over the last four is the lowest in in the league. I know they have just scored, but Everton I don't think are as bad a fixture as you might think on first first view. And then West Brom and Newcastle relatively easy game. So mm. with Shaw's attacking stats, you know he's so dangerous from a distribution perspective I honestly think there could be points at both ends of the field over those next those those next three games Nick obviously you've had a number of different teams that you've supported down the years you don't just (laughs) stick to one United has been one of your teams I mean it seems to be your team sort of every other year Um, yeah yeah, you've watched them more the most recently yeah do you not, not the think devil. that maybe he's like a bit of a rotation risk? Because obviously Teller's played the other week and I, is, is Shaw as nailed on, do you think? I know it's like pie in the sky really, but Wambasaka, Maguire, who p- could potentially pop up with a goal, is, is do you think he's still a better option? I think when they've had a week's br- break and they're fully rested, Shaw is always first choice. So I think Shaw is ahead of Teller's in the pecking order. 
I'm not saying that he might have a rest over those next three or four, but I think if Ole has, you know, a clean slate, he would pick Shaw every time in that in mm. in, in that left back spot. There's actually a bit of space got... between their fixtures as well, which is quite good. Yeah. Have you still got an issue with how he looks though, Nick? No, I think his physique is is acceptable. I think he puts a lot of that that weight into whipping those crosses in. So I think it, if anything, it benefits him. He's massively like upped his game for me. For him as well. <laughs> He's upped his game massively for me since Teller's arrived. I think that competition in his sport has, has made a big difference to him. Um, and I do think that, you know, it was a bit frustrating, of course, if he were a, a Luke Shaw owner last night to have those two assists and then not to get the clean sheet that everyone else got. But equally, it does seem like it was um, a bit precautionary that that um, substitution doesn't seem like there's any further issue. So hopefully be available for game week um, 23 and therefore looks like a really nice option. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you're looking at that man, Manchester United back line and I'm I'm also looking at, at the Everton forward line. And OK, yeah, as you mentioned, they scored against Leeds, but the way that Leeds play means most people will score against Leeds because they go for it. Um, and that's one of the things we love about Leeds. And I'm not just saying that because Greg's here, but, you know, they do gung-ho go for it. Um, and I, I really enjoy watching them as a result of that. Um, but I, I think it, it does mean that, you know, even teams that haven't scored that many goals of late will get opportunities and probably take them as we've seen from Everton tonight. Um so I'm looking at that Manchester United versus Everton game thinking, well, United are unlikely to give um, Everton as much space as, say, Leeds are currently doing. So I think for me that that Manchester United bat line looks like a good option. We no longer have the Maguire yellow card issue hanging over his head. So he looks like a nice option, even though he was you know, one of the lower scoring of, of the United defenders last night with his his yellow card. Um, but what about um, Aaron Wambasaka on the other side? Anyone kind of tempted to go with him? Do you think, is he a safer, better bet than, than Luke Shaw in terms of rotation risk? He just does not excite me whatsoever. <laughs> one, of, one of the lads has got him in our, in our league that we run, but it's, it doesn't offer really any attack potential, saying that he did obviously score last night. But it's just, <laughs> it just makes me go, Ugh. that's all you he's, definitely, he's, he's definitely not as exciting as Shaw. Like, Shaw, Shaw is putting in crosses for fun. Wambasaka, as soon as he gets over that halfway line as a no- nosebleed, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's great from a defensive perspective, but I don't think he can offer points at both ends. No, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think if we're going to talk about um, defenders from this game week, it's probably now's the time to turn turn our attention to the other side of Manchester and, and have a little think about those City defenders. That game's now finished, so they have kept um, another clean sheet. Oh, okay. So that's more. Um, points returns for for the Man City defenders, although um, no real attacking um, prowess from them this evening um, with Jesus and Sterling on the goals and and Gundogan with the assist. But how many City defenders do you own? Um, Because for me, I I just have Diaz. Um, And one of the reasons I just have Diaz is because the fixtures for Manchester City now start to look a little bit iffy, particularly in terms of clean sheets. So they obviously have a big game which we're going to talk about later um, on Sunday against Liverpool, um, followed by what, of course, to me, is one of the most difficult games that they're going to play all season um, when they play Spurs. Um, Clearly, you know, going to to be hopefully with Harry Kane back. And again, we can talk about that later. Um, But that's another um, interesting game 
um, for them. Um, after that, they then have um, a difficult game against Arsenal, followed by uh, where do they go next? Do they go to West Ham, which is difficult with the form that they've been on, and then the Manchester derby? At some point in that, we're expecting to see a double game week against Everton, um, potentially in game week 24. So none of those fixtures scream huge amounts of clean sheets to me, bar maybe the Everton game. So what are we thinking about at these defenders? Because obviously they've been really good with the attacking returns and the upside for them is is lovely when it comes. But as we've seen tonight, they're going to return points based upon their clean sheet, not on goal scored. The thing is, I think with City this season, we've obviously seen that they've switched quite a lot with the way that they play, with the focus. There's much more of a focus on defence. So if we had double City, which we don't, but if we did, I might be tempted to maybe rest one of their players for, mm. say, the Liverpool game with a view to... I'm looking at that Arsenal game and the West Ham game thinking, could City still keep a clean sheet? Yeah, I, I think they probably could. But realistically, which other defence consistently is providing you with clean sheets? And I've just made a huge mistake in my own personal team by bringing in Calvert-Lewin who I've brought in when he wasn't in form based on a couple of good fixtures. And I'm looking at that City defence thinking, look, they're the team in form. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned about a side that are keeping clean sheets for fun. We've got Cancelo, who I really like as a defender because he provides you the attacking output and also he's got that potential for clean sheets. I mean, he's pretty much at times playing as a midfielder. So that's, that's like a, a golden nugget in fantasy football. <laughs> And yeah. um, like 13 clean sheets this season now. Well, that another clean sheet tonight. That's 13. That's that's a ridiculous amount. It's the best defense in Europe. Yeah. And I'm not too I, I can see them shutting out a West Ham and, and Arsenal. I, I don't see that being too much of a risk, just with how well they are playing as a unit. And I think Diaz has been for me, he's been the yeah. sign of the season. I think yeah. phenomenal. I mean, he's transformed he's that defense. Also, and, look at that Spurs game. That Spurs game, they've got Harry Kane coming back, probably. He might come back for the FA here, Cup Adam. game. Well, do you know what? <laughs> I've got a, Spurs are my team, so I don't need to be, you know, I get it. But the Spurs the other night were terrible. The stats say, without Harry awful. Kane, Spurs are awful. Now, Spurs normally do quite well against City, but yeah. Harry coming back, he didn't, it's almost... It's almost too soon. Also, what would be really interesting to see would be what Harry Kane's stats are like on that first game that he's come back, which would have been wonderful if I'd researched that for the podcast. But I've taken myself down this dark alley and I've not researched it. But <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at that game and I'm thinking to myself, look, I'm, I'm looking at City's fixtures, thinking I could see them getting three clean sheets mm. in four of those matches. So I'm if it was me, I wouldn't be jumping off. Yeah. Just a little stat to add add for you there, Adam. So Spurs have the second lowest XGA the last four. That so, also doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think it's, Cla- it's interesting. Classic though, Jose. It? It's, yeah, and I think it's interesting because, you know, you look at those Man City fixtures on paper, um, and I must admit, I one of the reasons I haven't doubled up is, is because of that massive fixture change. So I've had DS now since, goodness, I can't even remember when I brought him in. It was a very long time ago. Um, and he has been absolutely fantastic. Clean sheets coming out of his ears. There's been some attacking returns in there. There's been bonus points everywhere. And even tonight, um, Laporte's still in the bonus points for Manchester City this evening. So defensively, they are doing enough, I think, to warrant their price tags because actually they're not very expensive. That's the other thing mm-hmm. to add with these guys. You know, we're not talking about um, Robertson and Trent uh, levels of price tags. We're talking about reasonable um 
able to fit them into your team quite comfortably. Um, but I don't know. I kind of feel like over those next few weeks, the clean sheets might be, there might be some of them in there, but would I want to take the risk on owning both of them? Because one mistake um, from somebody at the back and, and you've lost eight points. And I know for me, that will frustrate me. Greg has just pulled an absolute face on us again. And I'm assuming, Greg, that means something bad has happened to your beloved Leeds. No, well, we've hit that since you last asked me. We have hit the post, but the keepers just made a ridiculous save from uh, oh. a strike header. Um, we're doing it. We're doing it. Right. We'll right, we're back in it. Um, I want to go back to the thing you said earlier about Dominic Calvert Lewin because I also bought Dominic Calvert Lewin in um, ahead of last week, um, mostly because I had a Harry Kane shaped problem in my team and. Uh, at that point, I was kind of, if anyone saw my Insta stories on the FPL family account, I was beside myself, shall we say, at the end of that Liverpool game. Um, and and I think for me, I, I kind of felt like at that stage, I didn't know enough about Kane. I, I've owned him since pre-season, so I had a lot of money tied up in him and I was kind of very loath to sell him. But I wanted to sell him for a player that I saw potential in. And with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I saw potential with those couple of fixtures that they had. Plus the fact that like Luca Dina was back, James Rodriguez was back. So we were starting to see a bit more consistency in, in the players around him that made Dominic Calvert-Lewin what he was for us as FPL managers earlier on in the season. Um, now, I don't necessarily think that he's a bad pick. I mean, I hope he doesn't, sorry, Greg, but I hope he doesn't blank against uh, Leeds this evening. But even if he does, um, you know, there is, a, there is looking to be increasing likelihood that we see a double game week for them in game week 24. So... There is scope there that says, okay, well, maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, gets a stay of execution. Of course, we've just talked about how they've got Manchester United next week, which is not easy, particularly given the way that Manchester United were playing um, in game week 22. Um, and then after that, um, they play Fulham in game week 24 and potentially could have another fixture then against Manchester City that week too. Now, I wouldn't necessarily expect much for from them in the Manchester City game, but that Fulham game looks okay. Um, Fulham are a lot better. They have improved dramatically over the last few weeks, but I still think that there's scope there for, for Everton if um, if they get their players out. But again, Hamas Rodriguez starting on the bench this evening, which never bodes well. I'm never happy as a Dominic Calvert-Lewin owner when he's not in starting 11. Josh King could be quite good for Calvert-Lewin. Sorry, I think Josh King could be quite good for Calvert-Lewin. Just puts a little bit more pressure on him. Mm. They've also yeah. got Alan coming back as well in midfield and he'll make a huge difference to them yeah. as well. The difficulty for them, I guess, is how do you fit Sigurdsson and Hamez in when they both want to do similar things? And realistically, you probably can't have both of those on the pitch. Your defensive midfielder comes back. It almost takes away the need for that decision, if you like. And I think they'll become a lot better. The reason I say bringing in DCL was a mistake is one, I had Bamford and I took him out. So that killed oh, me because he... Yeah. Painful. And, also, I took a hit in, in, in it to be able to do it. But Absolutely. I think my, I know, my slight concern with the way that I made my transfers last time was one, I made a hit unnecessarily when I already had a fit player. But also, I wondered whether I was looking back at what happened earlier in the season and thinking, mm. and, and thinking okay, earlier on in the season, Grealish and Dominic Calvert-Lewin were great and maybe they're going to be great now. But do you know what? That was the beginning of the season. If the, and if this season has maybe taught me anything, it's that you have to pivot very quickly based on form. And I wonder whether there are, the, there are newer players that are coming through that are showing form now. And, the, and it probably would have been wise, one, not to make that transfer. So that was the first lesson because I didn't need to make that for a hit. But also, 
you know, I think probably there are other teams that are making their way through. Like I'm missing mm. out on Leicester at the moment. And I think they just look too good to be true. And I'm, I'm an idiot for doing that. <laughs> All right, then. Well, let's talk about um, the next game week coming up. So we're moving to game week 23 then. If I ask you, um, and I maybe know where you're going to go with this, Adam, based on the comment that you've just made, but to pick us out a couple of teams for game week 23 who you think, you know, could be the key to unlocking some FPL success this week. Who might they be? What players from within that team? And kind of why? Why would you go for them? Well, I'm actually going to approach this in quite a negative way based on what I know Nick and Greg are going to say, because we kind of spoke about this a lot beforehand. So at the risk of repeating each other, the the negative way that I'm going to look at this is after that Manchester United game, Southampton obviously lost somebody early on, which, you know, wasn't ideal, which wasn't great. Had they not done that, maybe it would have been a different outcome. But at the moment, they're so stretched because of injury And so sometimes you need to look at teams that you're going to target as much as players that you want to bring in. So I'm looking at that Newcastle-Southampton game thinking, Southampton, okay, they're probably going to try and be a bit more defensive, you would hope if you're a Saints fan this week. But I'm looking at Callum Wilson thinking he looks like a really good option. He's done very well over recent weeks. His stats have been good. He is a tricky player to own. He's not necessarily an enjoyable player to own. But over the course of the season, he's hit double figures in terms of goals. And Southampton have got 19-year-olds playing in their side with no Premier League experience, and it's costing them. So I would potentially target their defence. And at the other end, what was, I think, a bit of a shame this week is that I was going to have a really good look at Danny Ings because Southampton's fixtures do turn ever so slightly. And he ended up playing on the left wing, which which wasn't ideal. Now... I always think Danny Ings is, has proven over the last 18 months that he is just a player who will consistently score you goals. He's quite an enjoyable player to own because he's quite fun to watch. And I think he's just the kind of person that is going to want to respond. And so against that Newcastle defence, it's, it's almost that fixture I am potentially would be thinking about. And Danny Ings is on my mind because... Calvert-Lewin has annoyed me, but um, I'm not going to make an angle. <laughs> I think it's interesting with Southampton because they do have a tendency to do this. We've seen this a couple of times now and they were absolutely smashed by Leicester last season and on the back of them went on an amazing run uh, where they just improved dramatically and it was at that point that everybody was kind of on that Danny Ings train. Um, and then, of course... This season, we saw it again when they got absolutely smashed by Spurs um, and then came back with a vengeance. And we saw McCarthy go for weeks with clean sheets and a really nice run of results that came for them. Now, my one concern is, I think you might be right this time, Adam, it's not just that they've been smashed, but they've been smashed at a time where they have lost multiple players to injury um, over the last few weeks. Lacking Carl Walker-Peters has made a big difference to that back line. And now add to that two um, defensive red cards and we are starting to be scraping a barrel um and on the t- at a time where Callum Wilson has returned in his last three Premier League matches I mean forget the fact that before that it was like nine weeks or something of absolutely nothing from him but in the last three weeks he seems to have found his form Newcastle seem to have got over the Covid thing in the last couple of weeks it seems to have kind of left it's been parked they've moved on they've got back to fitness and they've got back to playing the game a bit better and of course we've seen St Maximan come back and I think for me he makes a massive difference to that Newcastle side so I think you're right that game is a fascinating one and, and there could easily be FPL points at both ends of the pitch for the attacking players for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. I know, um, Greg, you were kind of looking at a, another team for, for this game week as, as well. Um, and I, obviously you've done the research and I've jumped in. So I want you to, to have your moment. <laughs> That's all right, mate. I, I talked about um, Segrelish earlier, uh, but I, I think an FPL favourite for, for us is, is Cresswell. And you talked about Fulham earlier. Yes, they've improved. But if you look at West Ham against Fulham, the last two times they've played, there's been two clean sheets in a row. Cresswell yeah. has probably been the standout defender of the season. He's so consistent. And when he doesn't get a clean sheet, there's always that attacking yeah. potential. That he's potential from Socek, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll ignore that. Um, I mean, he scored four more points. Um, sorry, sorry, he scored four or more points in six of his last seven games. That's an yeah. average of like 5.7 points a game. It's He's ridiculous. one of my three West Ham players. And I must say, it's been an absolute pleasure owning Creswell so far this season. He... Every week, I feel like I can start him regardless of who he's playing against, because even if he doesn't get a clean sheet, he's going to pop up with some sort of attacking return. It feels like, you know, he's on set pieces. He's always there or thereabouts. The crosses he puts in are fantastic. He's a really, really nice option and cheap as well. And it becomes more of an option when Antonio's back as well, because Antonio's so good in the air. So again, you get the, the double whammy of that. I was going to briefly talk about United, but I've kind of done my Luke Shaw bit. (laughs) <laughs> but one one rule for me this season has been just select a player from any team that's playing West West Brom. West Brom's defensive stats are woeful. Like they're they're so bad. They're defensively an absolute shambles. Um, you know, we spoke about them on our pod um ahead of their game against City the other week. And even before that game, they conceded almost double the chances in the previous four than any other team. Mm. So it's like but the challenge is this week, Spurs are playing them without Kane, I think. But yeah. I think the, for the people that have got Son, I, I'd say like he could be a, a decent pick th- this week. It's just they yeah. have to get those those ch- chances coming back. So what's interesting for me about this one is that um, if you head over to the FF Scout website, I wrote an article this week, um, which was out on Wednesday. Um, my most recent Pro Pundit article is about Spurs without Kane. And what do we do with our other Spurs assets? Um, so I spent a lot of time looking at this this week. So it's interesting that you brought this up because historically, when you look back at Spurs without Kane in seasons gone by, actually, there is no real change in the attacking output. It stays there or thereabouts. Other players chip in. Um, we saw an increase in goals from the likes of uh, Lucas Mora and Deli Alley, um, and obviously Stephen Bergvine, who arrived last January. So when Harry Kane was out at the beginning of last year, it it kind of, I mean, of course it mattered, but it didn't matter so much to us as FPL managers because there were other assets in there that could could do the business. What we've seen this season is a massive shift in Spurs where we're suddenly down to like 70% of, of Sun's creativity coming on the back of Harry Kane. So nine out of his 12 goals have been assisted um, by Harry Kane this season. And of course that worries FPL managers because you look at that stat and you think, my goodness, what are we going to do um, about Sun if Kane's not there? Now, I think for me, I with the news that Kane is likely to be back probably for either Everton in the FA Cup or the Manchester City game, in game week 24, um, there's no real reason to get rid of Sun. And I also think that what we probably see against a side like West Brom um, is 
that they will try and do what they did in the, in the earlier game this season and, and sit in and defend well and not give Spurs that many opportunities. And that's the sort of game where I would expect Sun to just get something um, and nick it right at the death. So I wouldn't be panicking too much um, about owning um, about owning Sun. Um, I think he will be one of those players that will continue to, to score points, even if it's not at the level that we've seen already. Son loves a goal against Man City as well. <laughs> he does. He does. And so does Stephen Bergwijn. So he's another one to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I think it would be a miss of us not to, to finish talking about game week 23 by looking at what is going to be the biggest game of, of the weekend um, and that Liverpool versus Manchester City game. One that has the potential to kind of change the way the target, uh, the title race is, is going. Um Salah was um, the most transferred in ahead of game week um, 22 um, with Diaz third in terms of transfers in. Robertson still owned by over 20% of the game. Trent over 15% of the game. Likewise at City, Stones and Cancelo owned by over 20% of the game and Diaz is, is currently at 18%. So there are huge, huge levels of, of ownership across this game. Now, it, there is potential that you go into this game trebled up with Manchester City and potentially doubled up with, with Liverpool. Um, and having five players playing in one match, particularly when a lot of them are defenders, never, ever fills me with that much confidence. Um, it's never great as an FPL manager to look at your side and go, oh, there's my defensive a whole defence basically playing against oh a big percentage of my attack as well so what do we do as FPR managers do we play them all do we bench some of them if we're benching them who are we benching it's a bit of a conundrum I think it's a tough tough one I think you've got to just close your eyes and hope for the best I mean there hasn't been, there's only been one clean sheet in the past what a five... strategy in fantasy football <laughs> close your eyes, lad. That, that's why we're on the pod tonight boys <laughs> Right, that's what you're going to get from the FPL experiment. <laughs> See, this is where Greg's strategy changes. It's very different from the rest of us. Wow. <laughs> no, but to, on a serious note, um, there has only been one clean sheet in the past five games. And that was that 4-0 victory for Man City in July. There's been two one-all draws. Again, one of them was in the Community Shield, if you want to look at that, if you want to count that as a game. But you look at patterns of scorers maybe in the fixtures over the last five as well. You've got Sterling and Salah both scored two, both knocked up a few assists as well. I'd be surprised if both teams don't score, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a high scoring game. So you've thing, got to pick player wisely. I looked at that history of games, Greg. And when you look at that history of games and when you see how both teams are playing at the moment, what you actually think is what the hell is going to happen? Like I don't have a clue. Cool. Like it could be a high scorer, City could defend, but equally they've got so much strength and depth and attack, so they might decide to roll Liverpool over. Liverpool have occasionally been weak at the back, but then they've also tossed teams aside. It's so hard to predict the score in that game. I'm going 1-0 City. I would say, though, there is one thing that's on my mind. So for our team, for the experiment team, we have, Ro- we have Robertson. Agreed. Yeah. And, Get and Robertson, for me... Then their defense is not performing from a, a clean sheet perspective. Yeah, it's it's ridden with injuries. Um, and seven point four million, you need you need that player to be returning like pretty much every week. Yeah, and he's not. And now is a good time to get off him because they've got Leicester off after that game as well. So mm-hmm. I think to minimise your risk, if you do have Trent or Robbo, I'll be inclined to to get rid. Yeah, I think that's how I feel about it too. I mean, I'm actually going into that game with just three players 
uh, Salah, Gundogan um, and Diaz. And actually that feels like it's okay. I feel like it's okay to have those three because there's potential from the three of them that they return something. But if they don't, um, it's not going to destroy the rest of my game week because I've got so many of them. You know, if that game ends up being a one-all draw and it's Sterling and, I don't know, Mane that pop up with the goal, then it's not going to ruin my week um, because I've still got enough other players. But I think there is definitely scope that, you know, the pet roulette's out. We don't, Mane's missing a game from the Liverpool starting lineup. We don't really know what's going to happen um, with him oh. and his, his injury issues. Greg, <laughs> we're going back to what Greg. What was that noise? <laughs> Sorry, DCL's just scored, and he? Uh, I told yeah. you, great decision. Yeah, Pick DCL. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. We start recording this pod again, Adam. <laughs> you can say how good he was. Um, Sorry about that, Greg. Greg's got, for, for maybe you can't see this, but Greg has got his hand, his head in his hands, bless him. Leeds um, are terrible, aren't they? They're, they're really, really bad. Got um, Greg, <laughs> who who got the assist? Uh, it came off of, I don't know who jumped in the middle. I think it's Mina. Okay. Oh, that'd no, be too defensive. Came off Cooper's arm, uh, shoulder. So, yeah, uh, ah. I think that's no assist. Dina got, Dina got the first assist, first though. One, so, yeah. for those who brought him in, there is actually some returns from him. Before I get let you go then, guys, one more question. Captaincy this week. A bit more difficult this week because we've got some difficult fixtures to pick out from. I think the obvious one would have been Harry Kane against West Brom, but obviously injured and not likely to play. Uh, Liverpool playing Manchester City. Where do we go with the captain's armband? Who are you trusting in your own teams and, and who are you trusting for your, your team together? Have you decided yet? Is it going to be we, We're yet to have that debate. We're going straight <laughs> into that, coming in hot after this one. But I think, I mean, I've got Bruno written down just because his 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 numbers are, are so much better than any other midfielder in the game. I know, and even before the 9-0, he looked really good. I know he's not as great at home, but I think there's no other standout options for me. Yeah. I, I think it has to be him. Guys, do you agree? I, th- I, I think like you could have a cheeky option this week. I think there's... Ooh. Yeah. I think there are a couple How of players that are in our it. team. I really wish I could do a cheeky voice, but I can't. It's not in my <laughs> repertoire. But, um, you know, I, I think Madison is posting really good numbers and plays a Wolves defence that haven't been particularly good. I think Antonio against Fulham. Mm. If Antonio was really, really good tonight, I would be very, very inclined to think about him against Fulham. But it is really hard. We've spoken a lot about captaincy decision recently and how important that is and how that really needs to be a focus for us because we haven't managed to pick a captain for the, that's picked up a good level of points for two or three weeks. And we really need to focus on that area of our team. Um, and we've actually struggled with that probably over the last 10 game weeks, really. We post a good score still, but um, captaincy has been an area that we need to focus on. Um and that was one of the things that we discussed the other week, right? We spend so much time deliberating transfers, but I think what we, we should really be spending as much time on picking a captain and looking at who, who, who that captain is, is playing and their stats as well. But mm. we just focus so much on tra- transfer because it's more exciting. But I think that, <laughs> that's one thing we've learned this season um, is, is to just spend that little bit extra time looking at captain every week. Hopefully, yeah. whoever we pick this week, his points really mushroom. That's that's <laughs> what I really hope can happen. I, I actually think going back to one of the, 
<laughs> one of the guys you mentioned earlier Adam I think could be a good option this week as well I think if you're in Callum Wilson he could be a nice differential captain pick this week um yeah against against a Southampton side that, that have very little in the way of a defense and to play against but also cheeky shout out to Sun I think you know Spurs are gonna go into that game on the back of some very difficult fixtures and some very difficult results um having of, of course lost to to Liverpool followed by another loss to Brighton and then let's see what happens against Chelsea but even as the most optimistic of Spurs fans I'm not that uh, I'm not that thrilled about that game so that could be a, a difficult game and I think that West Brom game might just be a turning point for him. Adam, Nick, Greg, thank you so much for joining me on this week's Scout the Game Week. If you aren't already following the guys at the FPL Experiment Podcast, head over to Twitter um, and give them a follow. You'll also find them on all of your favourite podcast channels. That's it from us this week then. I'll be joined next week by Alex, who's from FPL Chip Chat, to be talking about all things Game Week 24 and looking back at Game Week 23. See you next week, guys.